We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we start today's show, shout out to Derek Plaites, Corey Johnson Hoops, Christopher Velasquez, Ryan Pisner, and Nick Chavez, our members of the Patreon. And for the month of July, we are doing a giveaway of Girlfriend Box. Girlfriend Box is Ariani Celeste's company that she has started a one-month subscription you have to join the veterans minimum ten dollar tier on patreon or higher to be eligible the drawing will take place friday night on patreon and we will post the winner then so get in while you can for a chance to win it is a 70 dollar value you could get a chance to win it for ten dollars and shouts to my guy Raider Cody for having on the show. We shoot this shit about the AFC West, what it's like to have to deal with Pat Mahomes for the next decade, and all things NFL AFC West division. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Joining me today is my guy. We've been on. We've been talking right now for how long? About 30, 40 minutes now? Oh, hey, not long enough, though, man. We got a lot to do still. <laughs> my guy, Raider Cody, right over the, the Zoom call, which seems to be the norm nowadays with all this corona stuff. Cody, I appreciate you, man, coming on the show. What's going on? Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. It's a good excuse to get off work and come right home and sit here and talk whatever, man, football, anything. It's... uh relaxing refreshing gets your mind off everything so have you made the the move over to vegas the way the raiders have or what no man we're we're anchored over here in central california and i'm kind of stuck like 
between both home bases, right? I'm three hours to uh, Oakland. I was three hours to Los Angeles, about four and a half to Vegas. Um, so we kind of, we're like the hub. It's like, we're just sitting here and we could just kind of bounce to wherever Raider Nation decides to call home. So yeah, we're, we're, we're rooted here in Central California and, and loving, the, loving the heat right now, that's for sure. How's everything with, with Cali with this whole coronavirus shit? Because I'm out in New York. I don't know if I told you that before we started recording or if you knew that. And it was a shit show over here in the beginning. But now it's kind of like leading everyone as far as like controlling everything. And I know like Cali, did you guys go back to phase one or some shit? What, what, what's going on? We're like backwards, bro. I don't even understand what's even going on right now. I thought things were kind of getting better. And like we just like lifted things just to, like a couple weeks ago, kind of. And we're just like right back into like, I guess phase one. I don't even know what the phases are anymore. It's so blurry. Uh, it's just kind of like a step at a time. My mom's a hairstylist and she's closed down right now. So I think that's phase one. I think that's where we're at. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm i kind of with you, man. All I all I do is I kind of tune in. I'm like, yo, gym's open yet? Gym's open? Nah, all right. Back to mask, mask or no mask? What's the rule? All right, cool. And then I just like go about my business, bro. It's so crazy. Raider fan through and through, born and raised. Like, tell me a little bit about yourself, bro. Dude, I didn't have a choice, man, becoming a Raider fan. And it's weird. Um, I never understood it. Like, I just always grew up going through grade school, um, just always claiming the Raiders. I don't know why. You know, kids would talk about football teams. And I was a diehard Raider fan. Barely watched any Raider games except whenever I was, I guess, you know, sitting down with my dad. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where it came from. And now I got a boy, right? He's, he's three years old. And he like kisses his Raider blankie goodnight. Like he's, he comes in the studio. He loves the studio, man. He counts the Raider logos all over the place. And then I'm like, then it clicks. I'm like, so that's where it came from. So I guess my fandom came from my dad and just from him. I don't know, just the way it is, man. You go to tailgates, you go hang out, um, Raider nation's family. And we've had a lot of experiences, um, even with the show that we're doing now, um, we've done some fundraisers and different things for charity. And it's been like a hit dude. Fans have come through and, you know, we, we raised like 20 grand for underprivileged kids and um, just the, like, just the fan base, dude, like just random fans that want to help others like in Vegas and the community and stuff like that. And it's just like, it hits home. Like, that's why I'm a Raider fan. You know what I mean? We're, we're it's like a second family as I'm sure most fan bases are, but uh, for me, this is my family, man. And we're uh, proud of it. Dude, I couldn't agree with you more. There's something about Raider Nation because in New York City, I was kind of telling you about this before we started recording how there's bars in Manhattan, like hundreds of bars, dude. And if you were to ever visit New York and we were to link up, we could go to a Raider bar and it'll be black and silver everywhere, like Raider Nation. My uncle's a big Raider fan. So I kind of have a, I have a soft spot for three teams. Obviously, I'm a big Giant fan. Oakland or, or the Raiders in general because of my uncle he also turned me into a Met fan and he fucked up my whole trajectory as a sports fan but that's a conversation for a different time shouts to Uncle Mike and also like I got, I got a soft spot for the Bills because I went to school in Buffalo for two years and I went to some Bills game and Bills Mafia is out of control but just like the Raider the Raider fan base man they, they travel well they're they're in spots throughout the whole country they show up like when the Raiders play in New York they play the Jets or the Giants. It's like, yo, there's like 20,000 Raider fans at these games. Why do you think that is? Dude, I don't know what it is. I mean, I mean, we call it – I mean, it's kind of like it's crazy because it's almost in the name. You don't even realize it. That's why we kind of say now – I mean, it's Raider Nation, but, I mean, now it's like there's only one nation because there's really not too many teams 
um, that can travel like us. And, and it's crazy just how spread our spread out we are. I mean, I have so many fans that contact me from London, um, all of them. I mean, Mexico, there was a, a Brazil Raider podcast, like in Brazil. I'm like, you guys even watch football down there? Like, that's crazy. Canada. I mean, we have crazy, like one of my YouTube moderators is from Canada. Um, I know a few guys that are still up in Canada too. Um, I, dude, I can't even explain it. Like how it even happens. I have no idea. I mean, I guess maybe, I mean, a lot of our success lied in, you know, the, like the seventies and the eighties, maybe it's just like, it was so successful back then. Uh, everybody started having babies and we just got all spread out around the world, I guess. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you see like, um, I don't know, maybe the Seahawks and the chiefs, they're, you know, a real, you know, up and coming organization or, you know, like the Steelers have been playing really well lately. Well, they're, I guess a little fall off, but, um, you know, those teams that have been playing well for a span of years, the Patriots, we, we can see the Patriots, you see Patriots fans sprouted all over the world in 20 or 30 years. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I guess the way things kind of happen and Raider nation right now has just been, been huge and we still I mean I'll sit here to this day I mean I know we're all over the nation but even like you go to LA LA has two football teams in it and I would sit here and uh, argue to the bone that Raider fans like still own LA it's it's just it's weird but hey man no complaints bro we'll take over any city let's do it (laughs) yo it's really cool man it's really cool how you could connect with with fans from all over the country or the world and you have a bond with them, not just with the Raiders, just in general. I've always been fascinated by this, bro, how you can go. Like I've traveled. I've been to Canada. I've been to Europe. I, I went to spring break in Cancun. And then you see a dude in a giant hat. You're like, yo, easy E, Eli Manning, baby. And then all of a sudden you're like taking shots with them. You're like, yo, I didn't even know this dude. So there's a there, like you said, man, I think it's true. I think there's a there's a brotherhood. There's a there's a family like a nation or an army sort of speak of, of of fandom which is really really cool and i think i think the raiders are man off the top of my head i'd say they're up there as far as the more popular fan bases in in football like i think raiders i think packers steelers you mentioned the patriots but that's also because of their recent success you know the last 20 years but like i think the raiders are like ogs oh, like the cowboys the steelers the, the Niners, it's teams, like you said, 70s, 80s were really successful. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I put us confidently in top five, maybe fan base. And you're right. It, it, like the like the Coliseum um, is very rare. A team made their presence in the Coliseum. But I would say the Steelers could. You'd see some terrible towels in the crowd, you know, like a, like a good amount. Not, I mean, they're not taking over a stadium, but there's a good amount in there. And, and Packers fans surprisingly man like talking about like you know Raiders fans have this real hard shell and it's real bad like look Packers fans are like low-key like a little little harsh like they got they got a little attitude to them um, I mean I don't think there's not too many fans that I've ever gotten into it with at the Coliseum more than probably Packers fans dude I mean I almost wanted to take this dude off the off the top deck i mean we're sitting uh we're sitting up in the nosebleeds and uh yeah this guy was last row and you'd think that i mean the, the dude had the confidence level like he was sitting on the 50 yard line in the front row like he was just like the baddest dude in the building and it was it was uh it was interesting man packers fans they're they're i got some respect for it my grandma was a packer fan but yeah packers fans are, are sleepers man they might be a, a one of the top fan bases for sure bro there's nothing more frightening i think if you're an opposing fan in a home arena of someone else's team 
Because if you start, like, say me and you, right? We go to, I go to the Coliseum. We don't know each other. I start heckling you and I'm decked out in Giants gear. I'm surrounded by thousands of Raider fans. If we get into it, some dude's going to cheap shot me, throw a bottle or some shit just because of the allegiance. Like, dude, I see it all the time. When I go to MetLife and in, when I was younger, my parents wouldn't let me go to Cowboy, Redskin, Eagle games, especially when they would play Philly. And for me, and I think the proper answer is Philadelphia when it comes for, like, I'm 29. My generation of, of Giant fans, like, our rival is Philly, bro, because no team has ruined career victor cruz's career went down the drain in philly right it's a very hostile environment eli's like below 500 seasons are altered they go in there and they have a chance to win the division they get blown out by 30 like it's just a it's a house of horrors for the giants so for us like when when i go to eagles games now it's like it's one of those things where even if the giants are four and ten which fucking seems to be the case the last couple of years it's it's always it's always a hostile environment. It's always a fan base that you get into it. So I'm a little surprised that you said the Packers. Yeah, them and uh I've only been to like one away game actually, and that was two years ago in the uh at 49ers in Santa Clara New Stadium. And I was up again sitting, I think fourth deck or something. Someone gave me some seats and uh went down there. It was just me and my dad. So it's me and my dad. Um had him, you know, drive us down there and it was I'm with my dad, so I'm cool. I'm just chilling. Like, I'm not there to, like, talk a bunch of trash. We're just hanging out, watching the game. We got spanked. Like, it wasn't even, like, a game. Like, it wasn't even anything, like, it's one thing in the middle of the game whenever things are getting close and heated and some of the fans are getting rowdy and then the other fans are getting rowdy whenever the change of pace change. No, we were sitting there, like, freaking facing our palms, like, the whole freaking game. We're just, we got spanked. And we decided to leave like mid fourth quarter because I wanted to, you know, stick it out the whole game. But I'm like, you know, we got a long drive home. Freaking forget this. So we started walking down the steps, minding my own business. And I probably almost got like three fights just going down the flight of stairs. And it's like crazy. I'm like, well, like you said, we're sitting in Santa Clara. So I'm not going to do nothing because little do I know there could be someone right behind me. And my dad's still trucking it down the stairs. I'm like, still back here getting all caught up. But Nope, just leave Cody back there for himself. But yeah, you know those fan bases can—they can get you. And being a Raider fan, you just—I guess they—they they maybe want the fight. I don't know, man. I guess we—we we got that reputation where, uh, we—I guess we want to start trouble or something. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about your division, and I kind of want to kick it off with the other teams in the division, right? Let's stay with that theme of of fan bases. Which, as a Raider fan, I told you, like me, twenty nine years old. Born and raised a Giants fan. I hate the Eagles. What's the team for you and like Raider Nation? What's the team that you guys despise the most? Chiefs, Broncos, or Chargers? You know, just mentioning the teams in case you didn't know who's in your division. <laughs> Dude, the, the Chiefs, man. Absolutely the Chiefs. And, and it's it's mainly, I don't think it was as recent. It's just going off their recent success, right? I mean, they're the, they're the team that's on top. When your team's winning, you're going to have the most obnoxious fan base. Like, if the Raiders just won the Super Bowl, I'd probably be the most obnoxious fan on Twitter. So, right. you, you, you see the fan base elevate, and things get heated, things get uh, different. Dude, it's – I mean, the Chiefs by a long shot. And it's just like – I mean, you hate you hate the team that's good, right? Just like you hate the player that's good. Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to get on the topic already of Patrick Mahomes, but – I mean, let me, let, me, let me just lower this camera a little bit so you can see. <laughs> Yo, for those of, those of y'all watching, I did this on purpose. Yo, listen, I I love nothing gets me more stimulated than trolling people. 
when it comes to like their fan bases, bro. Because hey, you know why? Because I I can take it. I love a good I love a good jab when people come at me with the Giants. I love it. Oh, we got something. Okay, this is what we got right now. Then we got. I'm gonna cover everything here except the problems. We got problems right now. <laughs> that's what. Yeah. That's what you don't come in here, man, with a with a with a Patrick Mahomes shirt. Come on, man. It's like Tom Brady back in the day. Tom yep. Brady, you know, shuts us out of New England, and I've hated Tom Brady ever since. Yeah. And now we're in that scenario with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes puts a whooping on us like every time we play him. I can't stand Patrick Mahomes. Now he's, yeah, now he's going to be there for a long time. So what, how, how is it like on a serious note? What is it like? Because he's clearly the best player in football and you got to play him twice a year. You build your team to beat the chiefs right now, who are the cream of the crop, but also just from just, uh, uh, the idea of having to go through this guy in order to be successful. What's that like, bro? Because, Man, Romo, I thought, was severely underrated and underappreciated, but, like, the Giants would beat him. So I never had that dilemma or problem that I got to go through an alpha like Pat Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, the last, you know, especially this last year has been rough. If it, can, if it carries on like that, I don't even know where I'm going to stand on the whole situation. But I guess, you know, you just kind of hold out hope, like – you know, success or winning in Super Bowls are not guaranteed. Like, yeah, they're coming in as a clear favorites. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, as much as, yeah, he last year was probably the best player in the NFL, right? I mean, as much as it hates for me to – I say probably because it hurts for me to admit that. Um, <laughs> and, and you just like to think maybe next year or the year after that, maybe Andy Reid starts to get figured out. You know what I mean? Because even like he, you know, came out and said like, oh, I just like it was like last season, mid season. He says like I just started learning how to read defenses. Right. So it's like you know that tells you it's like, bro, like Andy Reid's been in there just like mastermind with just drawing up plays. You have all that speed on the outside, dude. I mean, he's hitting dudes wide open. You know what I mean? I mean, they're these guys are just across the middle of the field, wide open. So you like to think eventually maybe he gets figured out a little bit. You know, you stop him a little bit or. That speed isn't always going to be there. I mean, of course, they, you know, they keep adding speed. Um, just not, not just Tyreek Hill. Um, you have some of those other guys. What was the rookie last year with Hardman or whatever his name was? He was another fast guy coming in. And you hope to maybe think it starts to drop off because I can't stand this crap, dude. I mean, they're, they're like dominant to the point where it's like you can even think you're going to win the game. You could control the pace. And then they come just blow the top off and change the whole momentum, pace of the game shifted in their direction, and they close out games. It, it's, it's wild, and it sucks. And it's – as a Raider fan, you hold out hope every year, no matter how bad the previous year was. We could have been 0-16 last year. I'm still going to be like, we got a chance to the playoffs this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just, it's just the attitude you have. And you just – I don't know, man. You, you got to deal with it. You just, I guess, got to just freaking deal with it. Dude, I – I made the comparison between Pat Mahomes and Steph Curry like three years ago, like early. I was early on and I was like, damn, you know, I really wish I had a more popping and bigger fan base because I was like ahead. I was ahead on that. And the reason why is because correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it? And I swear I'm not doing this to rub this in. Wasn't it against the Raiders where you threw the four touchdowns in the second quarter? It might have been. I don't know, man. I mean, honestly, like I said, it's been. Every time we play him, it's... Yeah, but I, I, I want to say I'm pretty sure it was. It was like 
you know, he, he might have had an interception in the first quarter or whatnot, but it's like, like you said, bro, and you saw him in the playoffs, they did this too. They're down 10, they're down 24, they're down 13. And just like Golden State back in the day, you know, a couple of years back, like no one erases 16-0 runs like the Warriors did. And no one erases leads like Mahomes and the Chiefs. And, you know, you look at what you guys did in the draft and you look at what, you know, the Chargers did. You look at what the the Broncos did. Like the Broncos were like, yo, we kind of, we like Drew Locke. Let's just add more weapons to the table. You get Judy, you get Hamler, who I'm a big fan of Hamler because I kind of got weird ties to Penn State because I got some family that went there. And I saw him and I was like, yo, this kid is good. He just never had a quarterback. So of the of the teams in the division, which team you can't say Chiefs. So between the, the, the Chargers and the Broncos, which one are you more afraid of to make noise this year? I'd say the Broncos. Um, just because they're always kind of like right there with us and it's always a competitive game. The Chargers, I don't know. I mean, they couldn't even win when they had like the best roster in the NFL. Like, no offense. I mean, there's just – there's something wrong with the Chargers. I, it, I just can't figure it out. And, I mean, they could have all the success around them. Um, you know, you could have Phillip Rivers there his whole career. You can have – I mean, you can build these great defenses. Um, you can have guys like Tomlinson. You could have Melvin Gordon whenever he was still in his prime. Keenan Allen, you can have all these guys around them. But for some reason, they just never, like, actually win. Like, they can be good, but they never actually win, and they're never, like, you know, a big threat. For whatever reason, the Broncos are just kind of like – maybe it's just, like, kind of that, like, John Elway presence. Like, they just kind of, like, find a way to have some success. Um, they're probably, like, this, probably the – like, you know, you ask, you know, the most hated team was definitely the Chiefs. But um, we've had, like, a long history with the Broncos. They were the team – you know, to beat just before the Chiefs, right? You know, they were at one point, they had probably the most dominant defense almost ever for like a two-year span. Um, and, you know, they were the Chiefs before the Chiefs. Now they're at a point where they're kind of in our phase. Um, that new quarterback, Drew Locke, his only thing is, I mean, if he can continue in a, in a good route, that team could be good. But, you know, sophomore slump, um, things changing around them. Who knows what's going to happen with Denver? But, um, yeah, I'd I'd say Denver is right there. Going a mile high and playing a mile high is um, a lot more difficult than going down to little LA, you know, because we pretty much take over LA. It's like a home game for us. Right. So yeah, I'd say I'd say mile high, man, and Denver Broncos. There's something fascinating about mile high when you play the Broncos. I think it's since like I think it's since like 1989 playing Denver in Denver in September, they win like 85% of their games. They're like 63% against the spread. And the big reasoning behind that by a lot of sports betters is that the players haven't gotten acclimated to being in shape because you're coming off the preseason and like, yo, let's be honest. The preseason, they just cut it. They just cut two games, which they should have done decades ago, obviously with the whole COVID stuff. It's like, yo, these guys are – they play one one or two drives at most, and then you pull the guys. You go hard for one half in six weeks, and then all of a sudden it's week one, and it's like, yo, throw them into the Wolves, where, you know, a team like – say a team like Buffalo plays week two in Denver. It's going to be hard, bro. You're in that high altitude and shit. Like, all everything that people say about it, it's crazy. And then you're not acclimated to that. You're not in game shape. 
So you're right about Denver just in general being a tough place to play, but also like especially in September, it's chaotic. I'm really fascinated to see what you guys are going to do because that Vegas flu boy is a real, real thing being out there. <laughs> do you know about the Vegas flu? It's going to be, you mean like the Vegas flu, like uh, from the night before? Is that what you're talking Yeah, about? like, dude, you're in Vegas. You're a team from the East Coast. You're going to Vegas. You're going to be there Friday afternoon. You're there for two nights. You're not going to stay in your room. That's what I'm saying. And everyone's talking about, you know, being worried about putting our players in Vegas. Living in Vegas isn't the same as just visiting Vegas. You know, they're going to they're gonna go and they're going to move. You're going to go to Henderson. You go, you go live in Henderson, it's going to be like, one of the nicest towns you've ever been in. I mean, there's all these um, shopping centers and all these different yep. areas that are just, I mean, top notch. I mean, everything there is just beautiful. You're going to go there and you're, you're, you're going to be hanging out. You're going to be living luxury. You're not going to go down to the strip, like unless you got some like signing or some like big event going on, you're going to be hanging out in, in luxury there. Um, but then whenever a team, yeah, just like you said, when a team comes in, I think we got a little home field advantage just from the night before, you're right. That Vegas flu, man. I think I've been I've been talking about that like kind of all off season. Like, send them out. You know, send the team some uh, coupons to like you know the Crazy Horse Strip Club or something. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, give them some deals or drop something in their email. You know what I mean? Like, give them give them some deals. Give them some uh, VIP access or something to to the best uh, to the best clubs around and let them bite. You know what I mean? Get get those young guns in there for a night. Let them bite. So I don't know. I. Uh, Kind of like the kind of like the the Vegas flu idea. Oh man, crazy horse! I'll save that for another podcast. Anyway, let's. <laughs> Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fights, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league champions. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. All right, yo, Cody, so I, I sent you a layout. What I like to do, man, it kind of brings me, gives me some content throughout the whole summer, dog days of summer usually. AFC West, give me, set me off right now. What was your biggest addition to the division as a whole? Player, coach, move to Vegas. What, what would you say for you? Man, I think the biggest addition for, I mean, if if I'm looking at our team, I'm going to say, obviously, Henry Ruggs. Mm. But if I'm looking at the division as a whole, um, I think that goes with Jerry, Judy, and Denver because now you're kind of given um, a solid, pristine route runner to Drew Locke. And you're going to see, like, he's he's like the, the – Amari. I call him Amari Cooper 2.0. And, and although we've had a bad taste with Amari Cooper, at the time he was the most pristine, like, pro-ready wide receiver to step in. Henry Ruggs is one of those guys, yeah, I think he might be the most talented wide receiver in the draft, um, but he's just like that game breaker. Jerry Judy's going to come in and immediately, you know, be able to have a full route tree, be able to do everything. Um, how he adapts with no camp and everything is, I guess, yet to be seen, um, but that's going to be another advantage for him. He's, I think he's going to be uh, pro-ready and um, with a team like Denver that I think needs it the most. Um, 
everyone else I felt like has kind of stayed the same. You know, the Chargers defense bulked up. Um, some could say Justin Herbert, but the rookie quarterback, you know, rookie quarterbacks for the most part, you know, they get six, seven wins or something. So, yeah, I got to go with uh, – I got to go with Jerry Judy if I'm trying to go non-Raiders. I like that one. I like that one. It's in – you know, it just hit me right now thinking about it. There's going to be ties between the two Alabama wide receivers for the rest of their career, staying in the division too. You know, you're you're always going to see it when when Denver and the Raiders play each other, like, you know, tail of the tape, two former – buddies at Bama and you're right man I think Judy is the most polished wide receiver coming in as someone that lives in New York I remember telling all my jet buddies I'm like dude I know you guys need a lot of help on the offensive line and I'm a little old school I guess you could say Cody where my philosophy on building a team is finding a quarterback protecting him and going after yours so you build from the inside out personally and I know like with the rule changes and whatnot like some of my friends are like yo Find a QB outside in, but to each their own. And, man, you had, like, a guy like Judy just sitting there, dude. You know, no disrespect to Ruggs. I think he's the better wide receiver coming out. And if you're the Jets in that situation, I just thought that was a no-brainer. Darnold with him moving forward could have been dope. But you're right, man, with Locke and and Judy, and we know about Sutton, and they got Noah Fant over there and Hamler. They got some weapons, but... For me, I'm going to go addition by subtraction here. So I'm going to tie my two together. Chris Harris Jr. I know the Chargers. Dude, how excited were you that they didn't get Cam Newton? Because I felt like I was screaming the entire all season. I'm like, yo, Chargers, get Cam. Your team is loaded. You have, you have, I think, a Super Bowl roster. It ain't with Tyrod Taylor, though. No, I agree. No, and what's crazy is how, you know, your addition by subtraction. That was going to be my uh, biggest subtraction was uh, moving Chris Harris from Denver because that's going to be, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're losing a leader. Now you're kind of relying on, on Vaughn Miller back there uh, to run that Denver defense and no one to take care really of the back end except Justin Simmons. So that's, I mean, that's a good, that's a good topic right there. But I will say um, Cam Newton, I really like Cam and his potential, but I feel like going to the Chargers, just like I hit on earlier, would kind of almost be like, I don't want to say like a recipe for disaster, but that wouldn't have been, I don't think, a good situation for him because there's just something that surrounds the Chargers, man. They'd look good on paper, and I'd throw them in on Madden, man. I mean, you get me on the sticks on Madden 21 coming out with, with Cam Newton out there with Keenan Allen um, and all the talent that they have um, would be great. But for whatever reason, they can't execute. Um, Cam going to the Patriots was like, I mean, best case scenario for that dude. And it, it sucks because – just like I told you, I hated Tom Brady after the tuck rule. By the way, P.S., it was a fumble. <laughs> <laughs> Make that clear real quick. Just like uh, you, you guys have your luck. And being a Giants fan, actually, you know what? I should be thanking you for uh, you and, and uh, you can't spell elite without Eli. So that was, um, that was something there. It was cool seeing you guys stick it to them. But it's almost a worse nightmare for me now seeing Cam Newton over there. But I know it's best case scenario for him. And I love, for whatever reason, man, seeing players – have like a little chip on their shoulder or kind of get counted out, get put in a good situation. Duke could, Duke could do some damage over there in New England this year. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. The The Chargers have been the on-paper Super Bowl champions for I don't know how many consecutive years, but it seems to be the case. They're always the – Every year they're the dark horse. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, who's the dark horse to make the playoffs? Oh, the Chargers. And then they just like – Yeah. So going back to Chris Harris Jr., one of the premier corners in the league, uh, for the longest time he was underrated – 
and then you know he was asking for more money and then all of a sudden he became overrated to some people because he was a nickel corner eventually and it's like yo that idea of a nickel corner like you're a starter bro it doesn't mean you're a third string corner like every team runs three wide receiver sets now four wide receiver sets if not the tight end gets split open and it's like yo you a nickel corner is a significant role on your team you remember like back in the day the legion of boom walter thurman with the seahawks like that dude was a all pro caliber player and was a big part of their success it's no longer a position where it's looked at as like, oh, you're just a nickel corner. It's like, nah, man, you're, you might be the most important corner on the field. So between taking him away from Denver, weakening them, and you add that to the Chargers who already have a loaded secondary, like I don't think you could find a better secondary in the NFL. Maybe Baltimore, I would say, is, is probably up there. So addition by subtraction, sort of covering both my biggest addition and biggest subtraction, I'm going to go with Chris Harris Jr. there. I agree with that. And, you know, we almost had we, – we had a, a our foot in the door with Chris Harris, and it came down to either us um, or the Chargers. And, yeah, he just – he decided Chargers just so he could be the nickel guy. We told him, you know, we like Joyner, um, stay in nickel. They wanted him – they wanted Harris to play outside, and he didn't want to do that. He wanted to stay in the nickel. And we ended up going to the draft and getting a fourth-rounder and a Meek Robertson, another nickel guy. So um, that's how, I guess, the you know, the cards were dealt. What would you say is the biggest um, storyline for you in this division? Like, what's the one thing you're looking forward to uh, just across the board? Like, every year there's there's a storyline in the division. What would you say yours is? Ooh, for us, it's definitely just going to Kansas City. For the first time in Derek Carr's career, he's going to be playing in Kansas City before December. And he's like 0-6 in Kansas City. Um, obviously going in there in the cold weather. Kansas City usually gets rolling by the end of the year. He's had some monster games against the Chiefs, though, in Oakland. I had him. Dude, one of my best. I'm a big DFS degenerate. And I've uh, one of my best nights ever was when Amari Cooper just went fucking ballistic on the Chiefs. And I remember I had uh, Derek Carr also, too. And I know, like, in the past, he's had some, like, really decent games. But... I guess from what you're saying, you would know better than I do. All of them were outside of Arrowhead. Yeah, like that. You know, the main game that everyone you're probably going to think of uh, outside the box is going to be that Thursday night game we had in Oakland where we won the game like four times. Like we had like scored like four touchdowns and they all got That's called back. Game, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was, that was a thing. And like I said, it's just – it's mainly just Kansas City. And it, for whatever reason, the Raiders seem to sputter, you know, those last few games. And the Chiefs kind of just get hot. Like, I mean, they had a t- the Chiefs had a uh, – I forget what season it was, two or three years ago. They started off like 0-6. Like, they sucked. And then they went on a 10-game win streak going into the playoffs. Like, they just get hot. I don't know what it is. That's, I guess, just the makeup. It's just Andy Reid. You know what I mean? It seems, it seems to be like that when um, John Gruden seems to be the guy that, you know, has that initial game plan, goes out there, executes first quarter, second quarter, does great. Sometimes we come out of second half, we're a little sputtery. Sometimes, I guess now, second half of the season, we're a little sputtery. So now it's just, you know, I guess working those kinks out. And uh, for once, we have a chance to go into, like I said, we get to go into Arrowhead, not in December. I think it's actually, um, if I remember right, I think it might be October. So it's, you know, somewhat normal temperature, I guess. For me, man, I really want to see what happens with Denver and Drew Locke. 
there's been a run recently of second-year quarterbacks taking not just the next level, but entering all-pro, MVP-caliber level. You've seen it with Mahomes. You've seen it with Lamar Jackson year two. You've seen it with Carson Wentz. There's a couple of guys that I'm looking at. Kyler Murray year two might be a homer, but I love the weapons around Daniel Jones. Um, Drew Locke now going into year two. And let me just ask you this general question. What's your definition of a franchise quarterback? Because for me, it's stability at that position and knowing that for the next decade, I don't got to waste a a first through fourth round pick on the position. For me, that's a, that's a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, for us as Raider fans, our perception are for me to be comfortable with a franchise quarterback is a dude that wants to be there. Like, I feel like it starts with him, not if the fan base or the team wants him to be there, but if the actual player is invested and wants to be a Raider, like wants to stay there, like no matter what you're going through. And I feel like uh, I'm a big Derek Carr fan just because for the first time in a long time, he started instilling that into our team, like back to, you know, like you're getting like the Ken Stabler days, whether the team wanted to trade him or not, he was invested and wanted to play in the silver and black. And, and that's where Derek sits. I mean, he's all these trade rumors he's getting asked and, you know, he's saying, you know, it's his team. It's his team. He wants to retire with the, the shield on his helmet. Um, no matter what's getting passed around, um, he wants to stay a Raider. And uh, for me and my soul, that's what I see in a franchise quarterback. Now for him to stay the franchise quarterback, we got to win some football games. And, and I think that's the only thing that's missing for him because whether it's his fault or not, and I don't think, you know, it's really not all his. Yeah, can he improve and play better? Yeah, and I think he, you know, he's doing that. Um, he, he's, he's really developing. He's really, you know, working on things in his game, extending plays. He was, um, I think, maybe at the end of the year, at one point he was number one, but I think by the end of the year he was the, maybe had the second highest passer rating under pressure last year. Um, and that was, you know, a big wrinkle in his game after his injury. So he's getting there and he's doing all the right things as a franchise quarterback. Um, and for Drew Locke, I think he can have those same tools. He seems like a kid that's going to get into Denver. How can you not be groomed into being a franchise quarterback sitting under John Elway, right? I mean, John Elway, I mean, he's the definition of a Denver Broncos franchise quarterback. So what does it take for him? I mean, he's just got to do the same thing and produce because just like, um, you know, maybe Drew Locke in four or five years, uh, he could be in the same situation Derek is. And you just have to win because if it doesn't come down to that, if you can't produce wins, um, you're going to get, you know, moved just because you have the most pressure on you. So I think John Elway gets a little bit too much hype about being a quarterback guy. Yeah. I'm like, not a big fan of him, but I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though, like Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, the, you, you, you struck gold with Peyton Manning. Mind you, big risk. I get it. Had like 120 surgeries on his neck. I get it. But like, yo, that's also Peyton Manning, right? So this idea that this dude was a quarterback savant and whatnot, like he's whiffed on quarterbacks too. He tried to make you think that Brock Osweiler was a guy. So I just, I'm a little hesitant, but I like Drew Locke. And I think for me personally, there's always a team in the NFL, actually from both conferences that kind of make the playoffs who missed it the year before. Right now I'm having a hard time picking away from Denver being that team. Most of it is because I expect a big leap from Drew Locke. From what I saw, the additions, the second-year trend that's been going on, 
So for me, that's why it's, uh, I think it's Drew Locke. What would you say is your biggest X factor as we wind down? Biggest X factor for, for this whole division? It's hard to shy away from wide receivers coming in. But I think it, it's probably going to be Justin Herbert at that point. Um, the, the connection with him and Keenan Allen, because if they get on point um, to a point to where kind of Phillip Rivers used to be with them, yeah. Um, I feel like they kind of lost that last year. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't always, wasn't always clicking. I mean, we, we had them shut down pretty well and it's not like our secondary was anything uh, uh, wild. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, wide receivers are having big games on us. So I think that's going to be the biggest X factor because they have the defense, right? They're going to get them the possessions. They're going to have the ball. Um, they're going to stop. They're going to keep the opposing offense low scoring. I mean, if, if a offense puts over 20 points on the chargers, um, then good on them. Uh, so now it's just going to come down to Justin Herbert. He's going to, you know, be putting it probably one of the easiest positions as a rookie quarterback going into this. It's just on him and the offense to actually execute. I like it. I didn't expect that, but I like it. And also going back to what I said, if the Chargers strike gold on this guy, foreseeable future, you're chilling at quarterback. That That's a big luxury, man. It's a big luxury. Not having to worry about a franchise quarterback year in, year out. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just something X Factor could break a curse. Imagine that. Break that Charger curse and get him yeah. some freaking wins, and you never know what's going to happen. But I don't know. At this point, anything but the Chiefs getting better. That's kind of like the thing. Hopefully they finally hit the ceiling with this contract and everything to where things start to kind of just level out. Like this is the, the best roster you'll see in Kansas City. Um, you know, they're able to re- retain uh, Chris Jones, which I was – Kind of hoping they didn't, but they did. Um, and now it's just uh, a matter of seeing who they can stick around, uh, keep around. And if they keep winning this year, I have no doubt that, you know, there's going to be veterans coming, you know, it'll be like New England again. They're going to get veterans in there on uh, Super Bowl deals, basically, to go in there and try and win a championship. Or if they sign on the veterans minimum, which is the name of my show. Play on words yeah. as to why, why we called it that. Uh, yo, for me, X Factor, me Cole Hardman. Ooh, if that guy can emerge into a wide receiver from just being, I think it's fair the way they utilized him last year to call him a gadget player, especially right now in his career. Um, What, two, three targets at most a game, and most of them are deep downfield. I know the average depth of target, the A dot, if you play fantasy football and all those uh, advanced analytics stuff, it was high. But if this guy could develop a route tree or, or not just do one thing, which is be a gadget player, like Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Hardman, Kelsey, the running backs, Mahomes. Oh, boy. Good luck trying to cover all those guys. I don't like that. I don't like that X factor at all. <laughs> as a fan, as a fan, if I'm trying to just be a level-headed analyst, um, yeah, I mean, all the – man, there's just so much pointing at the Chiefs. It's frustrating as a fan. You know, I just – I just don't like it, man. I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's one thing that's that went really well for them, and there's there's three important things. Whenever I handicap um, projections as far as win totals for teams, there's three things that you need to factor in. One is record and one score games. Year in year out, those do not. A team is not going to always go zero and eight. A team's not always going to go seven and one. Right. Recently, it was the Chargers, twenty eighteen. They went seven and one in one score games last year. They went four and seven. Something you can't bank on, too. Turnover margin. 
right? You go plus 31 in turnovers next year. You're not going to go plus 31. It just, it always regresses to the mean. And the last thing is injury health. Like no one got hurt on the Chiefs last year. And I'll never forget this dude as we wind down. I went to the Super Bowl for Super Bowl 46. The Giants were playing the Patriots in Indianapolis. And the guy that gets me tickets is a family friend of the Tisch family. And I asked him, I was like, yo, Mr. Gary, how do you feel about the Giants? And he was always like, when when he didn't expect the Giants to do well, he'd be like, yo, we're going to go like five or six wins at best. And then they would. And it's like, you know, and then there was years where he told me like, yo, you know, we might have a chance to go back to back and then Plaxico shoots himself. So still hurts, Cody. It still hurts. But, um, you know, that day I remember him telling me, right, as we're walking into the stadium, he's like, man, of the 53 guys that played week one, 52 of them are active today. And it's like they were the healthiest going into that Super Bowl run. So I, I think one thing that's changed with me as a fan, as I've matured, is I don't think it's the hottest team. I, I think it's the healthiest can be very well right, man. That's, I think, where we fell off last year. A lot of yeah. key injuries. Josh Jacobs getting fractured shoulder week seven. Um, Hunter Renfro puncturing his lung and uh, cracking a rib. You lost the safety early on, too, that you drafted high. I remember him on hard knocks. First round, safety went down uh, week one, or after week one. Um, yeah. he, played the, he played the whole week one. And then uh, Carl Joseph went out there and uh, forget what it was, uh, like, like broken ankle or something or had something, something with his foot, maybe, uh, maybe like six games left or something. So the last, last, yeah, six or seven games, we're, we're down both safeties and uh, wide receiver and our wide receiver one, Tyrell Williams, had plantar fasciitis in both feet. Uh, Josh Jacobs was here, like hit and miss, even whenever he was playing. Our offensive line health, Trent Brown was going down. Uh, it was, yeah, it was rough down the stretch. Just like, I mean, having 52 of 53 available. We could have been a playoff team probably last year had we had 52 of 53 starters um, actually healthy, you know, the second half of the season. Raider Cody, my guy, it was a pleasure. I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate your time. The floor is yours. Plug away. If there's anything you need to promote, plug, tell people where to find you, go right ahead. Yeah, man, first plug, I guess, since this is a blue wire duo right here man shout out to the blue wire podcasting network for making this thing happen uh if it wasn't for them we wouldn't be connected and doing this conversation right now right so uh shout out to kevin jones over there doing big things with greg olson uh rapino coming in we got all kinds of good, good stuff going on with the network um and if there's any raider fans interested in anything i do raidercody.com youtube.com slash raider cody search raider cody podcast man um but i guess the last thing i guess i'll say is uh 12 plus wins for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Well, I, hey, I like it. I like it. I like I like the ballsy call. Hey, you just go 8 and 0 at home. Right? The Vegas flu like we're saying, 7 and 1. Why not? Why can't they, why can't that happen? You just got to go 50-50 on the road. Let's do it. There you go. There you go. Guys, at the Lamb Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for this show. This one for those they forget in my city. This one for those they forget. This dog off the leash and is ready to kill. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nicky too ill. Can't let it drop and me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.